0: Time for the Morning Brief. Tim Hudak on patrol this morning, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John Moore. One story I haven't had time to touch on yet is this uh, latest analysis that suggests if you want to live in Toronto, you'd have to make at least $25.05 an hour. Worth noting, the minimum wage is $16.55
1: yeah, it's quite interesting. This is a um, a tool that has has caught on the last couple of years. The Ontario living wage, and and, and they look basically, John, at the um, the costs uh, just to simply, you know, after you pay your taxes, to pay the expenses. There's no savings, no mortgage costs, no, you know, putting away in the bank for the kids' tuition. And how much do you need? Twenty five bucks in Toronto. And they also do it on a regional basis uh, as well. A couple things on this. I've not seen a critique of this approach, so I don't know if a strong one exists. I did go on the website and, you know, sometimes I'm suspicious when you don't see who's behind it. It says it's a collection of employees, that's probably unions, employers, uh, and not-for-profits, and academics. But they don't actually list who's there. I think they should to enhance credibility. Nonetheless, it has impact. So a couple things I'll say on that. I'm on the the chair of the board of a private school in, in Niagara, the Robert Land Academy. It's a military inspired private school that helps at-risk boys, uh, many with ADHD, where the public system is failing them. I and mean, we've got every one of our students has gone on to post-secondary education the last 12 years running. It's great. So our headmaster looked at this, and he brought it to the board of directors and said, you know, in, in Niagara, here's what we need for a living wage. The board agreed, increased wages, so now all the employees do have that. So it gave a tool for us to sort of judge how do we do versus others in our region. The other interesting thing is the second highest area in the province was Gray-Bruce-Owen Sound. Mm -hmm. And that that was quite shocking to me. When when I dove into that, it was largely around transportation costs, food costs being higher. They're, of course, very limited, if any, public transit. But uh, but I think if this tool be used more broadly, put some more credibility behind it by saying, you know, who actually uh, is part of this living wage network, and it can be a good
0: guideline for employers who want to see where they rank. Meanwhile, the provincial government could end up on the hook for running two toronto light rail lines and actually in the last couple of minutes we managed to confirm that yes indeed you do metrolinks is building the finch line um it just seems that there's uh, very few budget envelopes we're not trying to offload to the to the province
1: yeah fair enough but i think there's a, a bigger question here and that's you know who should be running rail transit uh, in the province of ontario first for some background where does this come from when you become a, when you take over a ministry as a new cabinet minister, you go through a transition briefing and they bring you these binders. I, I remember being excited about it, kind of like Christmas Day in my three ministries and the civil servants brief you and you go through all the major issues, you kind of cram to get ready for question period, the media, and making decisions. Those are FOIable. You can use a freedom of information request and get the details of those books. That's how this notion got, got public. Uh, and that's some of the background where this comes from. But, but look, it's confusing right now. So, so Metrolinx actually, the provincial agency, uh, is building the Eglinton Crosstown and the Finch West LRT in Toronto. And they'll have an ongoing responsibility as well, John, for what's called uh, the lifestyle, sorry, the lifeline. <laughs> I'm losing that, the <laughs> life cycle costs. So the province will continue to play a role, in the city then does operational. It, that's kind of a confusing mess to me. We also have you know, Metrolinx running the larger rail and GO Transit, the city, the TTC, wouldn't it make more sense? And this was actually something I put on the table years ago, and maybe piece by piece coming together, John Moore. Mm -hmm. I suggest the province should upload the Gardner and the Don Valley. Maybe that is actually happening today, more of the provincial highway system. But similarly, to upload the TTC rail and fuse it in with GO, that you would have one consistent rail network In our province. So, the way they do it in New York, the way they do it in London, if you really want to be a major city, I think bring them together as one functioning unit instead of this mishmash we have
0: today. Okay, but to uh, continue the model, you mentioned New York City, and um, the former head of the TTC went down to run the New York transit system and eventually quit because the state, uh, you know, hates New York City. The the state itself is run from a small town, and so the whole thing kind of comes. done, although, you know, that the model here would be a little different because all of our provincial legislature legislators have to live in Toronto. So maybe that wouldn't happen. But then, you know, it, do we upload Ottawa? Uh, you know what is not connected to the provincial rail network,
1: so I'm not as concerned about that. I mean, you could you could go that that way. I focus mostly on the GTA. Just appreciate the Albany versus New York City. I don't think we have the element here. It just seems more sensible. Like, why all of a sudden once you get off a GO and then you walk onto the subway is it somehow a a, a different entity altogether? It's one and the same for the user experience. And when it's not, like we've had problems with payments in the past, it does get confusing and frustrating. And this whole issue about who's going to fund what and what costs go to the province and what goes to the municipality. I think we can do better than that. Upload those two highways. I hope that really does happen. But I think go a step further and link all rail together into one more efficient system that looks out for the customer
0: as the bottom line. Okay, speaking about uh, how people get around, we're talking with an academic today who's crunched the numbers and says we should end turning right on red lights. And apparently it's something that's going out of style in other cities. The real problem is it's how pedestrians get pasted. <laughs> was, okay. Let, let, let's see. Right. So, I, I
1: I am always wary of sort of a, a, a knee-jerk a solution. Um, based on, on, on lack of evidence. So if the evidence is there, then, then put that on the table. You know, there's this notion, well, the American cities are doing this. It's actually not true. It, it exists in New York City. It has for some time. Yes, other cities are studying it, but this notion there's some widespread momentum is a false notion. There's a, a group called the National Motorist Association in the States, maybe, you know, like our CAA or the Trillium Auto Dealers that look at auto issues. They study the state of California from 2011 to 2019, and they found that there was only, you know, one pedestrian death and one pedestrian, sorry, bike death that took place on a right turn on red in the state of California. So let's actually look at the evidence. I think a better solution, John, though, is actually to have boots on the ground. I, I believe we should actually have a sort of a second level of traffic police, not the same as a you know a city police or an OPP and the cost of that, but somebody focused on traffic to actually hit the tickets for those that you know that block the boxes, autos, and pedestrians across, illegal cyclists. I think if you actually have boots on the ground, they'll do a far better job of making our cities safer than an
0: arbitrary move to ban a right turn on red. I think it's funny that uh, in Quebec, they passed a law so you could turn right on red, except on the island of Montreal, because they knew Montrealers were incapable of governing themselves behind the wheel of a car.
1: Well, there you go. And this all started in the States as an environmental initiative, right, that the American government said you can't stop right on red if you want transportation dollars from the national government because they didn't want cars sort of sitting there idling. So that's where it all started from in the States. Look, I'm not willing to toss this out. In some senses, I worry this is just another way to make driving more miserable, and it's miserable (laughs) enough in a big city like Toronto.
0: I don't think it's a safety initiative. The Israeli consulate yesterday, and I imagine this is initiative is happening all over the world, um, showed video of the Hamas strike on October 7th, and a fair number of our colleagues went and watched it. Rosie demano for example, describes just how horrible and graphic the video is. People sitting in the room were crying. But I suppose it's, I mean, I guess the first question would be, would you actually watch that video, you personally? And second, is it an initiative that is going to shift the focus in this dispute
1: man i hope so i hope so i i was torn you know this morning up at <laughs> sleeping in for you john i know but up at 5 five twenty and uh, saw that article and couldn't bring myself to watch the video it made my my blood run cold just to to read about the utter barbarism of of Hamas terrorists celebrating the destruction of Jews, boasting to their father that they've killed 10 with their hands. Awful, awful stuff will shift the debate i I, I damn well hope so anybody who can even defend any of this type of behavior some that say you know any palestinian resistance has uh, as a good side oh my god just read about these maybe maybe i'll bring myself around to, to watch one of them and i'll certainly in a less far less graphic way you know talk to my daughters about you know what truly is is happening there and the barbarism of 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 terrorism we should all be conscious of what actually has transpired
0: thank you sir good to have you this morning Have a good day. Tim Hudak on the morning brief. Tim is the former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Jamie Goodfriend has been very, I would say, emotionally invested because he texts me once in a while since October 7th. And uh, as a Jewish man, he's very much invested in the hatred that seems to be reverberating in our community. But also he went and watched that video yesterday. And so he's going to join us this morning at 9.05. And we'll give you a fair warning because I know there's some people who don't even want to read about it, don't want to hear about it because it's going to be triggering. But uh, Jamie will provide his own testimony about what he saw yesterday in that video.